you pray with me? Fathers, we prepare to hear your word. Having been challenged by what we have seen here in this video. God, we pray that you would help us to answer the question, is the gospel worth it? Are our people's souls worth it? And are we really willing uh, to pay the price? Speak to us, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've never been to Hawaii. I've seen pictures and I've heard from people who have been to Hawaii. I've never been there myself. It uh, looks like a paradise, a place that I'd like to go sometime. The Hawaiian Islands scatter out. I've, I've put an arrow pointing towards one of those islands between Maui and Oahu. That little island there, the kind of long island, is it's actually Molokai. That island, if you would zoom in a little bit, take a closer picture of that island, we would see that there is a peninsula on the north side of Molokai. The peninsula is called uh, Kalaupapa. Isn't that beautiful? It's just a gorgeous place. Actually, I've, I've kind of done a little panoramic view of that because you can go and with the internet, you can really see things that you've never been to. And this coastline is just beautiful. Looking down both sides of the coastline, you're surrounded really on three sides by the beautiful Pacific Ocean, those brilliant blue colors. As a matter of fact, the cliffs behind and around that peninsula are the highest seaside cliffs in the world. And if you turn all the way around and you look at those cliffs behind you, most of the time those are just cloud covered. And it's just a, it's a beautiful setting. It would be a great place for a vacation or a leper colony. That's actually what that peninsula on that island was. A leper colony. And in fact, still today is home to about 40 lepers whom even though they have been, their, their leprosy has stopped. They're no longer a threat to anybody. They still choose to live there because of the, they've always lived there their whole lives. And because their bodies have been so misshapen and malformed by the leprosy that they have, that they just feel it's better to just stay there. We don't often think about a leper colony when we think about Hawaii. But I've been thinking a lot about it the last two weeks. And in doing that, the reason, the reason I've been thinking there is because I, I ran across this guy by the name of Father Joseph Damien, a Roman Catholic priest. Father Damien was among about eight priests who were at Honolulu, And they had a church there established. And everything was going well. And the need of this leper colony came to the attention of the bishop. And so the bishop asked if there would be anyone among those priests who were there who would be willing to go and to serve among the lepers. Now, today, you can get a shot. And you'd be taken care of and you'd be fine to work among lepers. At that time, what you need to understand is... Leprosy was considered such a, uh, an incredibly bad disease that did such horrible things to you. and They had no idea how it was transmitted or how people caught it. 
that in biblical times, remember there were leper colonies. Lepers were sent outside the camp to live. This peninsula that you see on the screen, that was as close to isolation as they could get. Surrounded on three sides by water and behind them by really incredibly high cliffs. By putting people here, you'd think for us it would be a paradise. For them it was a prison. They were put there to die. Isolated from friends and family and only able to associate among each other. And so Father Joseph Damien stood to say, I will go. After he stood, three others stood and said, we will go. And so the bishop decided that they would send them in three-month shifts. And Father Damien, since he was the first to stand, would get the first three-month shift. And they'd try to rotate them in and out. So hopefully none of them themselves would catch leprosy. In reality, Father Damien came back only once to give his confession to the bishop. And then he was permitted to come back no more. He, may, he was told that if you go back to that leper colony, you will never be permitted to leave again. He chose to go back. He did, in fact, catch leprosy. And he died on that island from complications from it. His body was sent back to Belgium, his home country to be buried but if you were to go to Kalao Papa you would find there a grave to Father Joseph Damien in that grave is buried his right hand because it was with that hand that he so tenderly served the hopeless and the dying in this leper colony It was with that hand that he offered the good news of Jesus Christ to people who had nothing else and no hope. Now, you and I could argue about theology between us and Roman Catholics, but set all that aside. What I'd like us to seriously consider today is what it truly means to suffer for the sake of the gospel. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to look at a few verses here, verses 8 through 12. 2 Timothy 1, verses 8 through 12. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll have the words on the screen for you, so you'll be okay. But if you do, you may want to highlight or underline something as we read. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes to... Timothy, a young pastor who is doing now his own church thing. And this is what he shares with him. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
For this gospel I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher. And that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed, because I know the one I have believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. If I were writing a letter to a young pastor to give him encouragement, what would I say? It would probably not be to call him to suffer for the gospel. But that is precisely what Paul writes to young Timothy. Suffering for the gospel is not an easy thing to talk about. And in fact, I have wrestled for the last two weeks. I don't want to preach this sermon. Can I just be honest with you? I do not want to preach this sermon. This sermon hits way too close to home. And I'll admit, this is not the most requested topic. If I put out a survey, hey, what do you want to hear about? Oh, yeah, suffering for the gospel. That's just not high on people's lists. And yet, when we open the scriptures, we're confronted by it. And we need to deal with it. And so as we set the table to do that, I want to share with you some simple truths as I see it in life in general that sets the table for where we're going. The first truth is this. In this world, there is suffering. Can I get an amen? Okay, you know that. This is, this is not rocket science. In this world, there's suffering. Some of that suffering is caused by your own stupidity, right? Some of it is caused by what other people have done. Some of it is just caused because we live in a fallen world. This world's messed up. With that in mind, folks, we just need to acknowledge there's suffering in this world in which we live. Secondly, in our suffering, God is present with us and ministering to us. God's word says that he will not leave us or forsake us. Jesus told his disciples, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. No matter what you're going through, no matter how painful it is, and no matter how long you must endure, you have the promise that Jesus is there in the midst of it, ministering to you. Third, God can and sometimes does intervene to alleviate or remove our suffering But his primary purpose is not to make our lives pain-free and comfortable. There's not so much amening on that one. You see, we'd rather believe what the guy on TV tells us, that if we just have enough faith, that all our problems are going to disappear. All our bills are going to get paid. All our pains are going to go away. And if somehow they don't, then it must be a problem with your faith and not God's plan. Think about it. Is God, did Jesus die for us on the cross just so that we could be comfortable? And are you willing to take that message into the interior of Africa? Are you willing to take that message into the villages in in South America? Are you willing to take that message to our Korean brothers and sisters in North Korea? And tell them that if they just have enough faith that all their problems are going to disappear and dissipate. Here's the truth. God is a whole lot more interested in our character than he is our comfort. And that's a hard lesson to learn. Living where we live in the time that we live. For truth, suffering can and is used by God to help us grow spiritually. That suffering is not without benefit. We may not see it. We may not like it. 
But that suffering is not without benefit. Some of you can testify that having gone through the fire, you're stronger on the other side. Finally, most of us will suffer to some extent, but few of us will suffer for the sake of the gospel. All of us are going to suffer some. For those of you who are getting older, which would include, let's see, all of you. Okay. There's, there's, there's some aches and pains that go along with, with, with getting older, isn't there? I mean, I'm discovering it. You know those mornings that you wake up and absolutely nothing in your body hurts? Me either. It's just, it comes with the territory. It's part of life. And yet, how many of us literally suffer for the sake of the gospel? That's where I'd like us to pitch our tents for a few minutes and really genuinely consider this. The video that we saw this morning, was that not heartbreaking? That child, perhaps in the United States, hospital in the United States, may have made it. And yet the family said the cause of Christ is worth it. And the Somali people are worth it. We'll even put our, risk our lives and limb in order to go and to share the good news. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. What is a man benefited if he gains the whole world and yet he forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words... The Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. If we're honest, that kind of call from Jesus makes our knees shake. That's not what we want to hear. He says, deny what you want in order to choose what I want for you. Die to yourself, die to your passions, die to your plans, die to your dreams, and then you can truly live. Follow me instead of following the crowd or following your own heart's desires. Give up the whole world and be satisfied with me alone. We try to call people and we we make it as as sugar-coated as we possibly can. And I remember doing this because I learned this. This is straight out of Campus Crusade, and I love Campus Crusade. They've done a lot of good work. But you begin the conversation, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That is true. God does love you and does have a wonderful plan for your life. And that meets, uh, that, that, that hits a point, a person at the point of their, their felt need. God loves me and has a plan for my life. And it fits very nicely in a bumper sticker, and you can remember it. There was a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer who was a pastor in Germany during the takeover of uh, of Adolf Hitler coming in and the uh, the, uh, Nazi party and and World War II and all that's going on. And and all the pastors were falling in the line and getting behind the party line and supporting the Nazi party. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer stood apart and he sometimes stood alone and he said, that is not right, that is immoral. I'm staking a stand with Jesus Christ And because of that, he was put in a concentration camp where he died just days before being liberated by allied forces. What Dietrich Bonhoeffer said would not look so good on a bumper sticker, nor would it probably be our lead in when we're calling people to follow Christ. He said this, 
When Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. Early in the morning of January 23rd, 1999, a group of about 60 Hindu radicals shattered the windows of Graham Stain's Jeep. Graham was a longtime director of a leprosy mission in India. He had his sons with him, Philip and Timothy. They were participating in a Bible conference in the village of Manoharpur. After breaking the windows, the fanatics poured gasoline on and onto and into the car and set it afire. Where Graham Stain, his two sons, burned to death. Days later, Gladys, Graham's wife, made a public statement offering forgiveness to the murderers of her husband and children and stating that she hoped that somehow they might come to know the love of Christ. This is the advice that she has for us. Make very sure of your call from God. And once you're sure of it, be very prepared for whatever, even if it costs you your life. Now Jesus' call to follow him and to die does not necessarily necessarily mean that we will be martyrs for the faith. But it does mean that we have to die to ourselves and our wills. We'll stand at some point and sing, wherever he leads, I'll go. But what if God were to take us up on that? What if God were to hold us to that? What limitations have I placed on God's sovereignty and Jesus' lordship in my own life? At what times have I told God this far and no farther? At what time have I drawn lines in the sand and said, God, I will go here, but I will not go there. I will do this, but I will not do that. The call to discipleship means that I will follow Jesus anywhere. It does not mean I will follow him anywhere until the road gets too tough or the pain gets too severe or the suffering too intense. Honestly, I'd much rather God remove the thorn than give me the grace to endure it. All of us would. And yet by never putting myself in a place where I allow myself to suffer for the cause of Christ, I am actually stunning my own spiritual growth. By choosing to find my comfort in the comforts of this world, the comforts this world has to offer. Have I forfeited my comfort that comes from Christ, which is greater by far? If you want to refine gold, it must be heated to incredible temperatures to separate the gold from the dross. What will it take to refine us? Are we willing to go through the fire? We remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were willing to go through the fire and who came out the other side. And we praise God for it. But you need to remember what they said before they went into the fire. 
They said, O king, O king, we understand you can chunk us in there. But we believe that our God can deliver us from that fire. But listen, listen. But even if he does not, we will not bow a knee to your idol. Listen, do you get that? We, we, when we tell our kids that story, we usually leave that part out because that sounds kind of scary. Okay, you're adults, listen. We want Jesus to deliver us. We want Jesus to give us the good life. We want Jesus to make our road easy and wide and broad with no, 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 no potholes and, and nothing to climb over and no obstacles. We want all that. And you know what? God can do all that. But even if he doesn't, will you still be faithful? Even if he doesn't take away that pain in your life, will you still be faithful? Mike, even if you never see again, will you still be faithful? Amen. Even if it all falls apart, would you still be faithful? Even if my child dies on the mission field, would I still be faithful? Am I willing truly to suffer for the gospel or is that just so much fancy talk that doesn't mean anything? James said, consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Here's what this is saying. When you suffer for the sake of Christ, will you endure those trials for the sake of Christ? You grow up. You grow up in the faith. I truly don't have anything to compare this to. I really don't. When I, literally, when I think back to times in my life that I've suffered... What's the best I can do? Football practice? Is that the best I can do? Running wind sprints? Going hard till you puke? How does that compare with what Paul said, Timothy? Suffer for the gospel. What does that mean for us? How do we process that? Why might we suffer for the sake of the gospel? Let me, let me give you the answer to that. Because the gospel has at its center the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now why do we suffer for that? God's word declares that there is a God who is holy, pure, perfect. And that we, human beings, we're stained with sin. And because of that, we're separated from this holy God. And the gospel tells us that there's only one way for that gap to be bridged. For us and God to be brought back together again. And that is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one, no one, no one 
comes to the Father except through me. Now, Christians are very tolerant people in that we believe that you have a right to believe what you want to believe and to live how you want to live. We are tolerant in that sense, but we do not believe that all roads lead to heaven. We do not believe that all faiths are equally true. We believe what the Bible teaches, and that is Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. Now, why is that so offensive? We can go back and we'll hear this as we hear the readings that are coming up. But if you go back and read John chapter 1, light came into the world, but men preferred darkness. Light came into the world, but men preferred darkness. And the world will do everything it can to put out the light. What does it mean then for us here in the United States, in our homes, with our heat going on, clothes to wear, and after Thursday, I guess we could say an abundance of food to eat. I hope none of you went hungry. With all that we have, what does it mean for us to suffer for Christ? The first thing it means is that we literally have to die to ourselves in order to live for Christ. To die to what we want. To die to our will. To die to our plans. So how does that look? Are you willing to go wherever Jesus leads you? Seriously. It could be Somalia. It could be across the street. Where is Jesus leading you? What is God calling you to do? What purpose has he laid on your heart? And what's keeping you from doing that? Could it be that you're not willing to die to yourself? When it comes to giving to missions, to give to missions means that's less money that goes somewhere else. What are we willing to do without in order that the cause of Christ, the gospel, might be carried to a foreign land. Are we willing to tell someone, you know, this year you normally give me a gift. Don't give it to me this year. Here's an envelope. Send it to the International Mission Board. Well, we, but we, wait a minute, Jimmy. You don't understand. I want that. I need that. Okay, it's your choice. But ask yourself, what does it mean to suffer for the gospel? A short-term mission trip? Maybe, maybe that's what it means. Telling a neighbor, telling a co-worker about Christ, maybe that's what it means. Getting fired because... Your convictions and your job don't match. Maybe that's what it means. 
I'm not here to tell you what it looks like for your life, but I am here to do what Paul did for young Timothy, and that is be willing to suffer for the gospel. Be willing to pay the price for the good news of Jesus Christ. To have all and to not have Jesus is to have nothing. But to have Jesus and nothing else is to have everything that I need. That is what Father Damien discovered on the island of Molokai. That is what Mother Teresa discovered in the streets of Calcutta. It's what Jim Elliott discovered. It's what Graham Stain discovered. It's what Lottie Moon discovered. It's what the Apostle Paul discovered. And if I were to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not sure I've discovered it yet. And I'm not really sure I want to know what it looks like. The question I think all of us must wrestle with this morning is, is Jesus enough? Is the gospel worth it? So I'd like to close with two simple stories that Jesus told. And maybe that'll help us put things in perspective. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and he bought it. Two stories about a treasure so invaluable that it was worth everything. Is Jesus that everything?